0: They are headed to the east for Children's Church. It's my pleasure to introduce uh, Tim Munger, and he's not a stranger to most of you. This is his home church. He and his wife Kay are missionaries with Friends of Israel, and uh, your connection to Friends of Israel might be similar to mine um, in that we get Israel My Glory, the magazine that comes out every other month. It's on the table over here, and it is worth your time. It's terrific. It's a great ministry, multi-pronged ministry. I have many good memories of uh, spending the weekend with Tim at Youth Ministry Fest with Calvary youth, and uh, those were times that uh, I will never forget, good Bible teaching, good fellowship as well. So Tim's going to come and break the word to us. Tim, welcome back to Calvary. Thank you so much. What a joy to be home. Good morning. As I was looking out over the auditorium, Uh, you look good. You look good. Just want you to know. Forty-five years ago, I walked through those doors as an 18-year-old young man, uh, and became a part of Calvary Bible Church, and you've let me stay for that time. Thank you. I very much appreciate it. You have been with us with Friends of Israel for 30 years. Uh, January 1st, we started our 30th year with Friends of Israel. Can't believe it's been that long, but 33 to plus 30 is 63. That's how old I am. And... uh, Uh, Time flies, does it not? But it is a joy to be home, joy to be here. Usually when Pastor Jeremy, he texts uh, and says, can you fill? And it's like, sorry, Pastor, I'm booked. But I came home uh, from an out-of-town trip and looked at my text, and Pastor had said, "I, I have a funeral. Will you be able to fill the pulpit for me on Sunday? I said, of course, Somebody said, I didn't know you were going to be here. I said, good, if you would have known, you would have escaped. So thank you all for being here today. Open your Bibles, would you please, and join me in the book of Revelation. It's not an exposition, it's an expedition. The songs today have fit the message exactly, precisely, and I am grateful to God for that. And uh, so uh, we're going to be chasing down today the person of Jesus Christ, the testimony of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we bow in your presence and we worship you. We have sung your praise for you are worthy. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Make his praise glorious, you have said. And so, Father, we choose and desire to do that even now. We commit our time to you. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. I ask you to remove from each and every heart, each and every mind, each and every ear that which would hinder and oppose and prevent the word of God from taking root and bearing fruit in our lives. Lord, for those undergoing severe struggle and trial and need right now, we lift them in prayer before you. We just ask today that you'd be the God of all grace us that we could serve others but may we focus on you and your word in Jesus name we love you we praise you today in his name amen when I was thinking about I have one shot I have one service to open God's word what do I want to deal with in today's world friend it's very easy to become discouraged. It's very easy to become frightened. Imagine living in Hawaii. I mean, I would love to do that. Last week I was in Winnipeg, some call it Winterpeg, Manitoba. I walked through the airport doors into the air temperature of minus 21. They said this is a warm up. I said I'm so glad I'm here. A couple of weeks ago, it was 44 below zero. <laughs> Thank you for warming it up. Yeah. It's very easy to become discouraged, frightened. I could imagine living in Hawaii. How about you? Until you see that notice come across nuclear missile inbound. So much for paradise. Oh, sorry, false alarm. My dear friend, you and I live in frightening, perilous, and indeed dangerous times. What keeps us on an even keel join me in revelation chapter 19 i love revelation 19 we start here we're going to go from genesis and end up in revelation 19 so fasten your seat belts. this is a no smoking flight and here we go revelation 19 verses 1 through 9 sets the context jesus christ king of kings lord of lords the Hallelujah Chorus of Handel's Messiah comes directly from Revelation 19. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. 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 He rules. And everyone and everything answers To him. And then John is in heaven and he has an angel appear to him. And the angel says to him, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, verse 9. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but... He said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and I am of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Dear ones, in this pulpit have stood not only faithful pastors, but great Bible teachers who have opened the word of God to us as people and congregation of the faithful truth of God's word and what the future holds. The hymn writer said it well. (coughs) Strong water. I may not know what the future holds, but I know the one who holds the future. And his name is Jesus the Messiah. Jesus. Cristo Jesus. In any language, it comes down to Jesus. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua. There's something about that name. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Dear ones, from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus Christ is unveiled, He is the centerpiece of the Bible. Let me show it to you. Let's look together because he is the one who is working all things according to the counsel of his own will. He is the one who will come and receive us to himself that where he is there we may be also. And that is our blessed hope. We need not be discouraged, afraid, or even despairing for we have hope it's a person, Jesus Christ. And he is the spirit of prophecy. The Bible is all about him. I had the privilege of telling a Jewish lady that just this week. As she was struggling and dealing with so many issues. And I said, let's look at what the Bible says. How can he be God? And I said, If you can believe Genesis (laughs) 1-1, you can believe that God is triune. Can I explain it? No, but I can't explain quantum physics either. That doesn't change its truth. It doesn't change its impact. And so join me. What put us into this mess of fear and despair and danger what put us there the bible has the answer let's move back to genesis now would you please join me in the book of genesis chapter 3 genesis chapter 3 how Lindsay in his book liberation of planet earth told of a of a man who in working in the field just kept saying old adam Old Adam, it's all because of you that I have to work like this. Old Adam. Well, his boss heard him complaining. And he said, I'm going to show you. Come into my house. Come into my house. You don't have to work in the fields today. It's hot. Come in. And they talked. And he said, Adam had the best of everything. Adam had the best of everything. But Satan found one thing that he didn't have. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's all Adam's fault. But he said, if you would have been Adam, you would have done the same thing. Satan found the one thing. And join me in Genesis 3. Notice how Satan works. He has been doing this to individuals, he has been doing this to societies, he has been doing this to nations. The serpent, the serpent. Was more subtle than any beast of the field, the word of God says, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Oh, there it is. How does Satan work? He begins with doubt. At U of M Flint, we had had several professors who took great delight and joy in ripping Christians' faiths to shreds. They couldn't wait to have Christians sitting in their classroom so they could rip their faith to shreds. And one day as I was walking down the hall, I saw one of those professors and he had a strange look on his face. There was no peace. There was he taught philosophy, no wonder. There was no peace. There was no joy. And even worse, folks, there was no life. And I looked at him and I said, Sir, you have nothing to offer me with your doubt and your defiance of God. There were people in the church that had walked with God 50, 60 years whose faces were content, whose lives were were examples whose joy exuded from their countenance. They have what I want. Life, stability, joy, at their age. That's what I want. How about you? Yea, has God said, He's worked it from Garden of Eden until now, dear ones. He uses Doubt. Is this book true? Is it the Word of God? Yes, that's what this is all about. Satan wants to challenge God, he wants to question the authority of God, and so he does it with doubt. Yay, has God said? And then he begins the conversation with Eve. We may eat of every tree of the garden, but we can't eat of that tree in the middle of the garden. And the serpent says, verse 4, he moves from doubt to denial. You will not surely die. What did God say? That in the day, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. He moves from doubt and denial. He moves, God knows that in the day you eat thereof, you will be like him. God is depriving you. He moves from doubt, denial to depriving. God is cheating you. He he doesn't want you to be like him. He wants, he's kind of selfish that way. And then they begin to look. And here is how Satan works. There are three avenues, dear ones, that we fall into sin. Three the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Notice him with me in verse 6. So when the woman saw, lust of the eyes, that the tree was. Good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes. Tree desirable to make one wise. You have the lust of the eyes she saw. Lust of the flesh. Desirable and pleasant to the eyes. Looks good. You have convinced me. Absolutely, I am convinced. That wherever two or three Christians are gathered, there will be a meal. <laughs> We're going to have a Super Bowl Sunday and there will be food. Of course, there's teenagers. There will be food. You've got the pot, <laughs> you got the pot faith dinner, not pot luck. We don't believe in luck. It's the pot faith dinner coming up. Wherever two or three Christians are gathered, there will be a meal. Nothing wrong with eating, folks. Just can't love to eat. Can't live to eat. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. Tree desire to make one wise. And they took and eat. Now look at verse 7. What is the outcome? They died instantly. They died. Knew they were naked. Their eyes were open. They knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. Stop right here. Clothing in scripture is a picture or a type of righteousness. It is a type of righteousness. Now notice, they make fig leaves. They make fig leaves. Where does false religion come from? Right here. Man wants his way toward God. So they make fig leaves, and God comes in the cool of the day. They hide. Look at verse 11. Oh, He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, Here you go, ladies. The woman whom you gave me. Who does he blame? God! Not the woman! Oh no! It goes beyond the woman. God, you gave me the woman. It's your fault. I was perfectly content by myself. And then you brought her. And I fell. Quote Dave Breeze. Remember when you said those words, wilt thou, and you wilted? (laughs) You did this. It's not my fault. Oh, no, the woman you gave me. And so God addresses Eve. And she said, well, it's the serpent's fault. He came to me. And then God judges the serpent. You won't be on your legs anymore. You'll walk on your belly. I hate snakes ever since. I hate them. Venomous or non-venomous, it makes no difference to me. I hate snakes. Because it was a snake that put us into this whole mess, folks. It was all right. Here, this is where all of this stuff started. Right here. And in the midst of that dark hour, look at verse 15 with me. God brings hope. And it's going to be in a person. He says it in verse 15. I will put enmity, Satan, between you and the woman between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you will bruise his heel. In John chapter 12, I believe it is, Jesus says, Now is the judgment of this world, now is the prince of this world cast And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men to me. This he said, signifying what death he would die. Now, notice it with me in verse 15. There is going to be a deliverer. This deliverer will come from the seed of the woman, he will be virgin born. He will have a conflict with Satan and he will defeat Satan. It will take place at the cross. In that conflict and death, he will defeat the enemy. He will crush Satan's head, though his own life will be wounded. Which is why we read in Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now, that is called the Proto-Evangelium, the first mention of the gospel. Genesis 3.15. It is the first message of the gospel in man's darkest hour. Drop down with me, would you please? I was in Dallas, Texas, at Explo 72. Yes, I am that old. Explo <laughs> 72 with Cam- uh, Campus Crusade. In the uh, service where we were at in Dallas for the uh, small groups breakouts, a pastor opened Genesis 3:21 and showed us the picture. Of what God was going to do with that deliverer. Notice it with me. Remember that clothing is a picture of righteousness. Adam called his wife's name Eve, verse 20, because she was the mother of all living, also for Adam and his wife. The Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Dear ones, is there a difference between an apron and a coat when it's 21 degrees below 0? I was grateful for a coat, not fig leaves. How about you ladies? Do you want a coat or you want an apron? When it's twenty one below zero. Dear ones, God took away the false, the inadequate, and ultimately the insufficient. And God took an animal, and Adam and Eve watched God take that animal and kill it. He saw; the, they saw him take the skin of that animal and form a coat for them, and clothed them. They learned four specific lessons from watching God. Number one, our action separated us from God. Our action separated us from God. Folks, that's Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The second lesson they learned was that our action required a substitute. We couldn't save ourselves. Our own efforts and works were totally inadequate, insufficient. We couldn't do it. Lesson number three. Our action required a substitute. Someone that would pay our offense. He died in my place, Jimmy Owens wrote. He died in my place, my soul to unburden, my guilt to erase. What boundless compassion, what love and what grace, this wonderful Jesus who died in my place. And number four, the fourth lesson they learned was that in that substitute's death on our behalf, we are restored to God. Thank you so much, Pastor, for praying for those who have gone through an abortion. Oftentimes, the young woman who has an abortion will often go out and get pregnant again to replace the baby she lost. Sin hurts, folks. Sin kills. You and I need to hate sin, not the sinner. It was the sin, way back in the garden, that put us where we're at today. But there is hope. There is a message of life, and that is that God forgives. Aren't you glad for that today? There is no sin that would keep anyone from the love of God. By the way, God's love is not conditional. It is not if you do this I will praise you and I will you please me and then if you don't I will not love you God's love is unconditional It is constant He loves you He loves you From that promise of a deliverer down through the pages of the Old Testament, God anticipated the coming of the Messiah. Join me in Luke chapter 2 now, would you please? In words that are sublimely simple and simply sublime, we read of the fulfillment of the promise that God gave on that day, that he would send the Messiah, the Deliverer, the Rescuer, indeed the Savior, the Savior. Earlier, the angel appeared to Joseph when Joseph was on the verge of divorcing Mary. The angel said, don't be afraid. For that holy child, you will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. Bill Gaither is right. There is something about that name. There's something about that name. And in Luke chapter 2, the Bible says that an angel appeared to shepherds, and actually you can go to Bethlehem today, and there is a place there called Shepherds' Fields. When I was there in 2009, my cabbie for that day was Moses. I got to go around Jerusalem with Moses. And Moses was an Arab Muslim. Musa. And Moses said, Tim, would you like to go to Bethlehem? I can take you to Bethlehem. And I said, let's go, Moses. And so we went to Bethlehem. And I had an appointment at 3 o'clock in Jerusalem to meet with a organization director and this was fine it was just lunchtime it was one o'clock plenty of time until Moses met a friend he had not seen in 25 years and we had just left the shepherd's fields the place where possibly those shepherds were on that night when the angel appeared to them. There they are. You're in the shepherd's field looking right at it, standing in it. And Moses meets a friend he hasn't seen in 25 years. And we're at a shop and he said, sit down, Tim. This is going to take a while. No problem, Moses. You, you just take your time. He told me it takes 10 minutes to go from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. Well, it's now 10 minutes to 3. That time went like that. And Moses looks at his watch. Well, maybe we better get going, you think? But I didn't say anything, and I said, that's fine, Moses. Finally got there about 25 after 3. What are you going to do? God brought his friend in on that day at that time. For He hasn't seen him in 25 years shepherds' fields. And there they are, and God appears to them. Why is that significant? Two reasons. One, the Lamb of God is born. That's number one. And number two, the shepherds were the scum of the earth in their day. And God came to shepherds with that message of life. That the deliverer that he had promised way back in Genesis three fifteen had now been born. Look with me at verse eleven, my favorite passage in the Christmas account. Luke two eleven. For this, there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior. Wait a minute, not an educator? What? A savior. Not a political leader? A savior. Not a religious leader? A savior. Not a revolutionary? A savior. My dear friend, what do you need? What do I need? I need to be saved. I need to be saved. And that's why Jesus came. That's why his name is Savior. Because he saves. And all his salvation may know. On his bosom I lean, for his blood makes me clean. For his blood makes whiter than snow. our Savior now join me in my favorite Christmas passage would you please Philippians chapter 2 what happened to the Lord Jesus how did God accomplish that salvation he tells us exactly in Philippians chapter 2 Verses 5 to 11. Look at me at verse 6. Paul begins in heaven with God. Paul begins there. He says in verse 6, that the Lord Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, mark the word form. The word form means an outward expression of an inward Reality, morphe, an outward expression of an inward reality. He is God. did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now verse 7, made himself of no reputation. And now he takes the form of a bondservant. This God becomes man. He is the God-man. He's God, he's man, linked together. Folks, Jesus didn't have a halo. And by the way, neither did Mary or Joseph He didn't look any different than you or me. How do we know? In John chapter 4, the woman at the well says, you're Jewish. I'm a Samaritan. He had the looks of a Jewish man. No halo, no glow. He took on the form, the outward appearance of an inward reality of a bond servant. What is a bond servant? Thank you for asking. A bond servant is one who serves out of love. You can read about it in Exodus twenty-one one to seven. The bond servant says, "I love my master. I love my wife. I love my children. I will not go out free." And the Lord Jesus Christ became a bond slave. Outward appearance of an inward reality. What did he do? That bondservant, that God, who became man. Verse 8, found an appearance as a man, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death, Of the cross. How was God going to judge Satan? How would that judgment be exercised? It was going to happen at Calvary. It's going to happen at Calvary. And of all of those who died by crucifixion in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is one who died who paid for your sin and mine, dear friend. One. professor at Western Michigan University, a Jewish professor and I were talking, and he asked me the question, he said, Tim, in Jesus' day where there there were 2,000 teachers claiming to be the Messiah, why did Jesus' teachings catch on? I said, because, professor, he died and was buried and he arose from the dead, and the others stayed dead. He didn't. And he lifted his hands and he said, it's impossible for the dead to be raised. Not with God. He's alive, dear ones. He's alive. I know. Because I've been inside the tomb. And it's empty. On the door it says, he is not here. He is risen. And he's coming again. And then Paul puts it all together. He died. But God raised him from the dead. Now in verse 9. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him. And given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Yeshua, Jesus, Cristo, Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He is the theme. He is the focus. He is the message of the Word of God. Join me now in Revelation, would you please? In Revelation 19, Handel took merely three weeks to write that glorious oratorio called the Messiah. It has three movements. And in fact, the Hallelujah chorus only concludes one. There's more afterward. And he records for us that glorious, glorious statement. So moved was the Queen when she heard that presentation that she stood up and all of the audience stood with her, King of Kings. Forever and ever. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And Lord of Lords. Sorry if I've got to get so excited about this, folks. I'm sorry. But Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and is ruling and reigning forever. King of Kings, forever and ever. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And Lord of Lords. Take that, Kim Jong Un. Take that to every despot, to every dictator. There is one who is Lord, dear ones, and he owns all nations. For he has redeemed them to God. And by his blood, we have been reconciled and restored to him. Now look at Revelation 19 and verse 11 with me, please. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. By the way, dear friends, you're in this picture. If you know Jesus Christ, you're in that picture. You and I are coming with him when he comes to rule and reign. You see, folks, God did something about the issue of sin. What put us in this mess? What put us in this mess of despair, of fear, of dismay? Sin. For sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. Today, if you know him as Savior, would you be encouraged? Because he rules and reigns and he's coming back to claim us for himself. Do not despair. For he is King of kings and he is Lord of lords. And he has the final say. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The Bible is all about him. Do you know him? Do you know him? Father, we thank you for opening the truth of your word and showing us that Jesus is the very core. Lord, I thank you that at the moment of our greatest need, the moment of our greatest need, you met it. If you're here today without Jesus Christ, or if you're listening without Jesus Christ, my dear friend, I invite you to come to him. Right where you're sitting, you can pray, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe the truth that you paid for my sin dead at the cross. I believe that you were buried and you arose from the dead. Come into my life and be my Savior. And make the day today, the day in your life and in your heart that he becomes Lord and King. And all God's people said, Amen.